Well, the nation's longest home winning streak belongs to the Texas Tech Red Raiders as they take two from the Gonzaga Bulldogs in a midweek stand. We'll talk about that and look ahead to the Huskies. This is Dinger Derby. Welcome to Dinger Derby, the official podcast of RedRaiderDugout.com. The only website completely devoted to Texas Tech baseball. Join Keith Patrick twice a week for team news, guests, ranking updates, and game reports. We'll be hitting taters with the Red Raiders from opening weekend all the way through Omaha. This is Dinger Derby. So the Red Raiders took care of business in a big way. It was great performances all the way around. Each night, Texas Tech found themselves down. Each night, Texas Tech found a way to come back with big swings from different players doing what they needed to do, not necessarily swinging for the fences. And each night, the Red Raiders emerged victorious in a one-run game. That's three in a row now, dating back to the Texas A&M Corpus Christi game that Texas Tech has won one-run games consecutively. I can tell you, as you watch their performance, it felt like the Micah Dallas you wanted to see. He was dominant. He was fiery. He was throwing lots of first-pitch strikes and doing a really, really nice job on the mound. There was a lot of confidence there, confidence in his defense, confidence in what he was bringing to the plate as well. I asked Micah Dallas about those two things, his passion and the defense and what that means to him, and here's what he had to say about it. It's just a lot of fun, especially when we're having fun out there. Um, they did a fantastic job saving the run, saving the game, honestly, um, noisy in center. Um, you know, you have Kurt over there at third making, you know, these plays and just everyone just did what they're supposed to do. And so when we all come together and, and the ball game's moving like that, it's just even more fun because, you know, it, it turns into a real team team effort and uh, we can feed off of that. And that I honestly think that um, carries over into the offense. And so, yeah, it's just It's honestly a lot of fun just to be able to be myself up there. Well, we have a lot of fun seeing Micah Dallas out there being himself as well. Looking forward to seeing what this holds for him coming up this weekend. Coach Tadlock said that the starters for the UConn series will remain the same. It's a four-game stand Friday through Monday. Dallas will be your Monday starter. I'll make a prediction for you when you get to – I'll make a prediction for you when we get to this UConn look ahead after we talk about Gonzaga. So Dallas, six innings pitched. Jamie Hitt comes in, the freshman, struggles a little bit in a third of an inning, so he exits fairly quickly, and Levi Wells takes over, does an, does an admirable job of one inning of work, and he gets help from the defense as well. So to lay it out there for you is defensively, Dallas takes a first batter liner at his face and makes the out. He gets a star in the book for that web, Jim. Later on in the fourth inning, a leadoff double to the left field corner results ultimately in a gun down from Dylan Noisy to Braxton Fulford at the plate. It's an 8-2 put out. Noisy's had a few of those this season. And then following that double was a single getting on. He was caught stealing home. It was a wild pitch that went... To the backstop, Braxton Fulford grabs that one and sends it back to Dallas, who's covering, and he does a fantastic job blocking the plate and getting the easy out there. Really nice defensive plays. That was an inning where you retired him in order, but it was very non-traditional. 
Now, Tech carried a two-run lead into the fourth inning, and it was in the fifth that Gonzaga hits a leadoff solo home run to left field to close that gap down to 2-1. But from there, it's scoreless as you move along, and then Texas Tech gives up a couple of runs and the lead, and that is when Levi Wells enters the game after those two runs are given up. So in Wells' appearance, the first batter he faces is a pinch hitter who reaches on an error, who's then replaced by a pinch runner who ultimately works their way around on a stolen base and then a wild pitch, and he's on third. Mason Marenko, the second baseman, follows. He walks on Levi Wells, and so you've got runners on the corners. They turn the order over. The center fielder, Guthrie Morrison, who was the one who sent the liner at Dallas's face earlier, now facing Wells, sends a dribbling comebacker to the pitcher. Levi Wells does a great job recognizing the runners coming from third. He sends it back to Fulford to defend the run. Fulford sends it to third base where the tag out is made by Kurt Wilson. So it's kind of a rundown, but it's not over yet as Jace Young recognizes from second base that Mason Marenko is trying to pick up 90 feet on the backside of that one. Young sends it back to Cal Conley, now covering third, who gets the tag out short of the bag. So it's a one, two, five, four, six, double rundown, double play. Just your average everyday night for the Texas Tech Red Raider defense. It's extremely well executed. I think that's a harbinger of this defense coming together and gelling. You're starting to see guys settle into positions. Wilson playing a little bit more third base, but then we also saw him play a really nice right field for Texas Tech on Wednesday. The Red Raiders give up another run in the eighth. But ultimately, it's the seventh inning for them that gets them the win. Jace Young, the second batter of the game against their excellent pitcher, Alec Jacob. Jacob came in with a 559. He goes six and a third innings pitched, four hits, two runs, both earned, four walks, and gets 11 strikeouts on the Red Raiders. Now, if you follow Red Raider Dugout on Twitter, you may have seen us retweet the video of Jacob getting questioned, checked, and removed from a game where he had fanned 10 or 11 batters and they found a foreign substance. So it's a pity that the hecklers aren't in their full form right now in all their seats because they would have made great friends with him that evening. But I have to give it to the young man. He threw 109 pitches and did a really nice job for the Bulldogs. He did give up a solo home run to Jace Young, the second batter of the game. That's where Tech carried that one run lead from. But the Red Raiders wouldn't scratch another one across until Drew Woodcox in the third. He worked a walk and was ultimately knocked in by a Dylan Noisy RBI single to center field. Not a lot going on for Tech. As you heard, they got four hits and then didn't actually score another hit until on the closer, Daniel Knott. It was the bottom of the seventh, the 11th strikeout for Jacob. It is a leadoff strikeout by Braxton Fulford. Jacob exits, and then we have three pitching changes in that inning alone. Back-to-back walks, another strikeout, and a third walk juices the bases, and Nate Romback takes what I think was the biggest swing of his Red Raider career because Romback walks in, looks for his pitch, has his approach at the front end of his mind, and he hits a bases-clearing double to the left center field wall. It's a beautiful shot. 
It was splitting the defense. It was exactly where it needed to be to get the three ribbies you needed to take the lead. So at that point, the Red Raiders now have a 5-3 lead. They do give up one more run in the eighth, and they win it 5-4. As I said, Brendan Girton gets the save, the first one of his Red Raider career. Levi Wells gets the first win of his Red Raider career, as that's when Texas Tech took the lead. It was a little over a three-hour game. It was a lot of fun, and the atmosphere was absolutely conference Friday night atmosphere at Danlaw Field at Rip Griffin Park. Fans were out in force, and it was really, really a fun one. And one of those games where you look back and say, hey, that's a one-run game that could have been lost, but guys took the swings and had the approach they should have been taking, and it ended up being big stuff. You know, I think Dylan Noisy's probably a little bit down on himself right now. He's not lighting it up offensively. That night, he went two for three and had a walk and a run scored and an RBI. But Noisy, in that walk, also shows off his maturity and approach. Because Dylan Noisy, he's batting a 318 right now, which is plenty good. Noisy's not leading the team in any statistical category offensively, except one. He's leading the Red Raiders in base on balls. Dylan Noisy has a 500 on-base percentage. That does lead the team. He's still slugging 500. I mean, we're not talking about an underperformance, but Noisy's a guy who does often light it up. He's got 15 base on balls, and he's worn one as well, and he's near the bottom of the list in strikeouts. So Dylan Noisy doing a really nice job getting on base. That's where you need guys to be. Go watch Moneyball. They'll teach you all about it. So on Wednesday, Texas Tech walks back in. It's another start for Chase Hampton, his second consecutive Wednesday start for the Red Raiders. Hampton goes four innings pitch. He gives up four hits, one run, two walks, and gets one strikeout. Gonzaga flips the script on the Red Raiders this night as it's their second batter of the evening who hits a solo shot to left field, and they have the early lead. Jace Young, though, reaches on an error, and he's ultimately hit home by a Cal Conley RBI single to left field in the first, so Texas Tech then carries a tie into the second. The Red Raiders get a couple more across over the second and third, and they've got the 3-1 lead heading on into the later innings. Gonzago got guys on base. They had multiple hits. They had multiple base runners from plunk batters, from walks, and Texas Tech's defense continued shutting them down. It wasn't the same night you saw on Tuesday where the Red Raiders got five outs on the base pass, but it was still a nice night defensively for the Red Raiders. They were error-free where Gonzaga had three. On Tuesday, Gonzaga out-hit Tech 9-6. On Wednesday, they out-hit Tech 8-7. That also happened over the weekend in Houston as it was Texas A&M Corpus Christi that outhit Tech 7-6. That was the first time that happened since a, one of the Rice games from 2020, and it was like a 19-12 Tech win. So hadn't happened since last season, and now all of a sudden it happens in back-to-back-to-back games, Tech outhit and getting the W. For the Zags in the sixth, it's a leadoff single by Stephen Lund, their DH. He is ultimately sent around to score, as is Zach Matchloff, the head coach's son, the left fielder. He had worked a walk, a two-out walk, and it's a two-out single to center field that ends up bringing in those two RBIs by the right fielder, Grayson Sterling. So then we've got a tie ball game in the sixth. 
once again, Texas Tech has run through a couple guys. Hayde Key, who had a brilliant three-inning relief effort in Houston, ends up with an inning and two-thirds, two hits, two runs, two walks, two strikeouts. Not a bad performance by Key, but not exactly what you were looking for there as you want him to come shut it down. Ryan Sublette, though, checks in. And he inherits a bit of a mess. It's bases loaded following a walk, that two RBI single, and then an HBP. So he has a bases loaded, two out situation. Sublette comes in, gets a line out to first base, and then works a one, two, three, seventh inning and a one, two, three, eighth inning that includes a web gem for. Parker Kelly at third base defensively as well. So Ryan Sublette has a nice evening for Texas Tech. He goes two-thirds of the way into the ninth, and then it's Connor Queen who comes in and gets the final out with two fantastic breaking balls right up the middle to get the save. His first save of the season, Sublette gets his first win. He's now 1-0. So in that one, it was in the ninth. One run is surrendered, but Tech with two runs in the eighth inning, which gave them a couple to give. This time, it's Braxton Fulford, who'd taken over following a Marshock pinch run for Cole Stilwell. Fulford's catching. He gets a leadoff walk and then steals a base in the eighth. Following a strikeout, Parker Kelly works a walk. Following another strikeout, it's a two-out, two-RBI double, beautifully dropped into the gap in left center field near the wall, and it's Jace Young this time that gets that big swing. It was back-to-back hits for him in the 7th and 8th. He also reached on an error and scored. So Jace Young, the Big 12 Player of the Week this week with a big swing that gets the Red Raiders the lead they need. Not quite the high drama of the night before, but another game that is still in doubt in the top of the ninth, and Tech closes it out. It was not the night that you wanted to see for the Gonzaga Bulldogs, and it was unfortunate. Reagan Haas, their starter, only went a third of an inning. He got injured as he fielded a grounder, kind of a swinging bunt, coming down the first base line. He decided to try to get the tag on Young. It wasn't a collision with Young that caused the injury. He looked like, to me, hung a spike in the turf, turned his knee, and it ended up buckling sideways. His right leg buckled out to the right. And I have to assume there's a knee injury there and certainly wish him the best. He was carried off the field with no weight on that knee and, of course, did not return. Michael Spellacy ended up going two and two-thirds, and then they saw three more pitchers throughout the evening, including a couple of guys that I thought you would see and mentioned as potential starters on the weekend, Bradley Mullen and Tristan Vreeling. You had another injury in the evening as their catcher, Tyler Rando, took a knee to the head as Cody Masters slid in for a run in the second inning. And so following Haas's exit very early in the first, then it's Rando exiting as well for a potential concussion. And so he left the game under his own power this time, but certainly not feeling great after taking that one. He did have the skull cap on it, knocked it off when Masters came sliding in. Nothing dirty there by any means, just part of the game at the plate. So overall, the Red Raiders, two one-run wins on a Tuesday, Wednesday. It was fun baseball nighttime atmosphere in the midweek. And then the big news was coming as well. Texas Tech announces that baseball will be going back to basically 75% capacity for the rest of the season. They reissued all-season tickets 
uh, pretty much. And so we all had the opportunity to go back on and buy those. Those have all been delivered as I record this on Thursday evening. And starting with the Yukon series, Dan Lawfield at Rip Griffin Park will be back to close to full capacity, 75%. You hope that you can get back to 100 before it's all said and done. There have been some changes to the UConn series already. I want to make sure that you hear those. The evening game on Friday has been moved up to 2 o'clock because of potential weather in the Lubbock area Friday night. The Saturday and Sunday games remain unchanged. Those are still both 2 p.m. first pitch games. And the Monday game has actually been moved up to 10 a.m. So that's spring break, at least for high schools in the area. 10 a.m. first pitch on Monday. I'm not sure what the weather concerns are throughout the weekend, but it looks like they're giving themselves some flexibility to be able to move things around a little bit more if needed because they certainly do not want to lose a game. So as far as those Huskies, I told you I'd give you a prediction. Coach Tadlock did say that you would stick with the same rotation, Birdsell, Monteverdi, Montgomery, and you would add Dallas as the Monday starter. I would bet, and I have no confirmation, it's just intuition, that Micah Dallas's start on Monday is a shorter start. He may be on a pitch count because I think with no midweek games next week and a Big 12 opener coming in Oklahoma State, I think Micah Dallas may end up going on short work Monday and turning back into the rotation in the Big 12 opener against the Cowboys. Micah Dallas looked like himself. Brandon Birdsell has struggled a little bit in that starting role, and I wonder if this may be a final opportunity for him, and then Dallas comes back into the rotation. We thought that would happen last year when Dallas was coming out of the bullpen. We thought he would walk back into the rotation for the West Virginia series. We never got to see that or get confirmation, but I think that may be what's happening. And I think you also may see a little bit of a combo. So even if Dallas is not your starter in Oklahoma State, it may be some of that Duchetter kind of action where Dallas and Birdsell get paired up and you look for the combination between those two that helps make them successful, whichever it is. Dallas has looked very good out of the bullpen in the past. He looked very good in the start this week in the midweek. So it'll remain to be seen what comes of it. As I said, Jace Young, Big 12 Player of the Week. Patrick Monteverdi, Big 12 Newcomer of the Week. Looking forward to seeing what that young man has in store on his upcoming Saturday start once again, this time against the UConn Huskies. Let's talk a little bit about the Huskies, and we'll wrap this thing up for you. Sorry it was a little bit late this week, folks, but those late-night week midweek games were playing havoc with my sleep schedule there. So... The Huskies are 4-6 and six coming into Lubbock. They've played a fair amount of baseball so far. They played three at Virginia to open the season. They did take one of those. They lost the Friday game 2-1, to one, one on Saturday 10-9, to nine, and then lost Sunday 2-4. Now, Virginia, no slouch by any means, number five in the country, at least at that point. Uh, they're going to be a very strong contender. The ACC is potentially the deepest baseball conference in the nation at this point in the season. They have a ton of solid teams, Virginia near the top of that list. So that was a really tough series for UConn, especially opening the season, and they performed very well. Even just getting the one, they were all tight games. Their next weekend series, no midweek, they played at the University of Southern Mississippi. They lost 5-6 and 6-7, and they took the Sunday game 10-7 to avoid the sweep. And then this last weekend in Conway, South Carolina, they kind of built themselves 
a four-game series. So they played Miami of Ohio. They won that one 5 nothing. They played Davidson College on Saturday. They lost that one 4-3. And then they had a two-game stand Sunday-Monday against Coastal Carolina. They split that with the Chanticleers. The first one they won at 5-4. The second one they lost 12-10. So this is not a team to overlook, folks. This is a huge test for the Red Raiders. I would argue this is the first big test, and I know that sounds crazy considering who they played in their opening weekend, but I don't think that was a Texas Tech team yet. That was a collection of players. This, what I saw in the midweek, has started to look like a team. These are guys whose approach is cleaned up. They're back in shape for the most part. Pitchers are up in their pitch counts. The defense is gelling and playing better baseball, not booting it around. I think now you have a good test for the team that Texas Tech is and will become. They'll leave the Red Raiders after this four-game stand, and then they'll have another weekend series against St. Joseph's University in Philadelphia the following weekend. But four games with the Red Raiders for the potential Big East champion, UConn Huskies. Now, there's an undoubted ace on their roster. He's a four-year junior. His name's Ben Kasparius. So he was the state player of the year in Connecticut at one point. He spent two seasons as a two-way player in North Carolina and had a two-hit game in Omaha as a freshman for the Tar Heels. That was back in 2018. He he came on to UConn. He's got a 92-95 fastball. His secondary pitches, curveball, slider, changeup, or swing and miss pitches. I mean, he's definitely a solid guy, and he and the numbers bear that out. He's been their Friday night guy fairly consistently through the season. Kasparius leads them with 20 and two-thirds innings pitch. He's got a 261 ERA. All three of his appearances have been starts. He's one and one on the season. He's given up 12 hits, six runs. They were all earned, nine walks, and 24 strikeouts. So pretty good ratio there, 24 to 9 for Kasparius. He's given up four extra base hits, one home run, and three doubles. That OBA is 160 for Kasparius. No wild pitches, only one balk on the season. But he seems like a pretty salty dude. As I look through box scores for the Huskies, it looks like the last start he had, which was last Friday, that one was against Miami of Ohio. He had 11 strikeouts in that game. He went eight full innings pitched. He gave up three hits, no runs, three walks, and had 11 Ks. He did hit a batter as well. Going to be a tough roadblock for the Red Raiders on Friday afternoon. They're going to have to bring their A game at 2 o'clock from the offensive standpoint and really be ready to try to hit all over this guy. So that's your Friday starter for the Huskies. Now, last Saturday for the Huskies, Pat Gallagher, their starter, was run after an inning and a third. I'm not sure if you'll see him again, but they went Johnny Bullpen the rest of the way in that one and then kept the rest of their rotation intact. It's Austin Peterson, who is their Sunday starter, and you can expect to see him as well. Peterson on the season is second for them with 15 innings pitch. He's got an ERA of three. He's got 18 strikeouts to four walks. He's allowing a 224 opponent batting average for the Huskies. And then the third starter, his name is Joe, and I'm going to probably butcher it, but it looks like Simeone to me. And Joe Simeone is an interesting story as well. He's also a four-year junior. He had a nice 2020 for them. Of course, it was cut short. Not as much on the VLO, about an 88 to 91 guy, but it's his changeup that's really the plus pitch, and he really does get a lot of outs for 
the Huskies. Austin Peterson, I forgot to mention, is a big fella. He's 6'6", 230 pounds. He has been through Purdue and then later Community College in Wabash Valley before coming to the Huskies. Big frame, and he'll be up to 93 or so, and also with a three-pitch mix. And then you'll see other guys like Jimmy Wang. He's a 6'3 right-hander from Beijing, China. He's got a 94-mile-an-hour fastball, and there are plenty of others as well for the Huskies. This is not a team to be trifled with. This is a team the Red Raiders are really going to have to be locked in and ready to battle as they prepare for a big four-game homestand. Offensively for the Huskies, they're led by a couple of guys who you really should keep an eye on. Christian Fedko and Reggie Crawford are their two players who are seeing significant action that are batting over 300. Fedko at a 317, Crawford at a 310. Both have over 40 ABs so far on the season. Fedko's their second baseman, and you'll see him generally in the middle of the lineup. Batting cleanup is pretty standard. Crawford in that five hole is pretty standard as well. He's the first baseman, so the right side of the infield, really offensive leaders for the Huskies. Zach Bushling, Eric Stock, and Pat Winkle round him out in the upper 200 batting average range. Bushling is slugging a 500, Crawford slugging a 762, Pat Winkle, the catcher, slugging a 548. He's a good defensive catcher. He may be an even better offensive catcher, so a deadly combination there for him, and he is uh, an excellent player for them. You have two brother pairs on this team, as Kyler Fedko is also here, and Chris Winkle. So two Winkles and two Fedkos on this UConn roster, but plenty of offense to come along with a pretty solid defensive team and a lot of good pitching. So the Red Raiders are going to get their best shot. I can guarantee that. And it's going to be a fun weekend at Dan Law Field at Rip Griffin Park. Keep in mind that this team has not played at home yet. This is a true Northern school coming out of Connecticut. They've been the home team twice, and that was in South Carolina. So they won't be home until March 23rd in a midweek against Central Connecticut State back at Stores, Connecticut. That's where UConn is. They're no strangers to playing in hostile environments and no strangers to playing solid teams. Looking forward to seeing what they bring to the table. Quick wrap-up on the Red Raiders as far as what they've got going on. I mentioned Jace Young, Patrick Monteverdi, both getting Big 12 nods. Braxton Fulford added to the Buster Posey National Collegiate Catcher of the Year watch list. 69 catchers on that list. Braxton Fulford, one of them, and it's the second consecutive year he has been named to that one. Fulford is having a very nice year for the Red Raiders right now, batting 308. He's got 26 ABs as he had about a week off of rest there before heading to Houston. Seven runs, eight hits, three doubles, three home runs. He's knocked nine home. He's slugging a 769. He's got three walks and his on-base percentage is a 419. Braxton Fulford has had a very nice year so far and will continue to, I think, for the Red Raiders. Looking forward to that and really just playing a great backstop, doing a great job with all these freshman pitchers and becoming a force at the plate. We've even seen him batting from that cleanup spot as well. Jace Young continues to lead the team offensively. He's got a 404 batting average. He's slashing a 404, 516, 851. That's right, he's slugging an 851. His OPS is 1.367. Young not leading in ABs. He's got 47. Cal Conley has that honor. 56 at bats for Conley. Even more than your leadoff man, Drew Baker, who's got 54. Young's got 15 runs scored. He's 
hit 19 times, nine extra base hits, three doubles, and six home runs. That's a team leading and a Big 12 leading six home runs, at least following the Gonzaga games. 23 RBI on the season so far for Young, just impressive. And 12 walks, that's good for second on the team. I mentioned earlier Dylan Noisy has 15 as well. Cal Conley batting a 339, Noisy 318, Baker 315, and then other regular contributors, Nate Rombach at a 286, Kurt Wilson 270, Parker Kelly 278, Easton Morrell 238. Morrell's not seeing quite as much action as he was. Drew Woodcock's also seeing some limited action further down the list. Plenty of guys still trying to work in, plenty of options to do so. But as we near Big 12 play, you'll see things start to settle down a little bit, I think, in the experimentation department, unless there are guys that are just getting a hot hand and Coach Tadlock wants to give them a shot. So again, UConn, Friday at 2 p.m., Saturday, Sunday also at 2 p.m., and Monday at 10 a.m. at Danlaw Field at Rip Griffin Park. Thank you all so much for your support of Red Raider Dugout and everything we're doing. Very excited about what there is to come and the growth that we're seeing right now on the platform. Always feel free to hop on those stories and comment. Recently activated Discuss on there, so it's easy to comment and interact with each other and with us. And you're kind of seeing the flow now. You're seeing what we're doing. You'll have an on-deck before every game, series updates. We'll recap every game, and we'll send you some other stuff along the way. I've got some fun features in the works. Got some summer baseball stuff going on. We're working on looking at scheduling in COVID and what all that looks like right now. And we'll bring you more all throughout the season and really having a good time with it. Appreciate Randy Rosetta, my partner in crime in this thing. He's doing a great job. And Gus and George, as always, for being a part of what we're doing and helping us keep this ship moving in the right direction. Thank you to all of you, really, for your support. Thanks for your support at Dinger Derby. I'll drop a UConn episode in your feeds maybe late Monday night or Tuesday morning following this four-game series. And then no midweeks next week, and we'll start Big 12 play Friday night hosting Oklahoma State. Who was the last team from the Big 12 Conference that played at Dan Law Field at Rip Griffin Park? It was Oklahoma State in the 2019 Super Regional. So it'll be fun to have the Cowboys back in town to open Big 12 play this season. And we'll be off to the races of the Big 12 and have some other non-con midweek and weekend stuff still planned as it moves forward. Looking forward to it, folks. Thank you again for everything. You can find me on Twitter at Keith B. Patrick. Find Randy at Randy Rosetta. George at T-T-U-J-O-R-G-E. Gus at Gus26. And, and the website on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Red Raider Dugout. Thank you so much for all the support. Thanks for tuning in to Dinger Derby. Hopefully we'll see you around the ballpark soon. Until then, wreck them. Thanks for tuning in to Dinger Derby and sharing our love for Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. You can connect with Keith on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Red Raider Dugout. And find more great tech baseball coverage at RedRaiderDugout.com. Help us out by rating us and leaving a review on iTunes. And remember to tell your friends about the show. Keith will be back soon with another episode of Dinger Derby. And until then, Wreck'em Tech. Keep your hand on your gun. Don't you trust anyone. There's just one kind of man that you can trust. That's a dead man or a gringo like me. 
Be the first one to fire Every man is a liar There's just one kind of man who tells the truth That's a dead man Or a gringo like me 